WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me. WABC News Time is 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, March 9th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun and clouds this morning. Then a Mostly cloudy the afternoon, high 50. Tonight, overnight, clouds hang around low 33. And then Friday, going to have some afternoon showers, high 45. If you are walking out the door with us right now, and so happy you are, it is 33 and cloudy. Lots to get to. Last night, stayed up late to watch college basketball, even if you're not a sports fan. the um, This part of the year is March Madness, of course, where they crown the best team in college basketball. But now you have ESPN Plus, which is this network that shows the most remote basketball games you could possibly think of. And because I love the sport, the purity of college basketball, or they're not playing for money. Well, I guess in some ways they are, but not like they are in the pros. That the purity of the game is great, and this is the last time most of these guys will ever be on a stage where they're being watched. So I'm flipping around on ESPN Plus last night, watching games that I I shouldn't be watching. They have no, I don't know the teams, I don't even know where they're from. I'm watching like Wichita State play Davidson. I think Wichita State's in Kansas. I think Davidson's in California, but I'm not sure. I look up at the clock, it's 11.30. I'm like, I have to get up to go to work in a couple hours. But it is a fun time of year ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition in the u.s more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide so why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. In a moment, in a couple minutes, we're going to talk to Joel Nolan, of course, who always does traffic and transit and does a fantastic job with it. I think he was at the Seton Hall game last night and it had the most bizarre ending. I was watching it and I didn't really understand what took place. So maybe he will explain that uh, as the morning wears on. But first, right now, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Missiles raining down on Ukraine overnight. Three L.A. police officers recovering after being shot early this morning. We're learning more about a triple tragedy in New Jersey. Will there be a beach to sit on at the Jersey Shore this summer? A Long Island woman looking for love got anything but that. WABC News Time 503. Let's jump into it. Russia unleashing a massive missile barrage while we were sleeping last night, targeting Ukraine. This uh, hitting residential buildings, killing at least five. That number definitely going to get up in the largest such attack in at least three weeks. Four people killed in the leave region after a missile struck a residential area there. The governor there says the rescue workers were looking in the rubble for more possible victims. DW News 
news reporter, Amin Asif, he's a great one, says he woke up to the sounds of missile strikes in Kiev this morning. Well, many residents of Kiev, including myself, were awakened at 10 to 6 this morning, Kiev time, to a loud explosion. And there were other explosions after that. So far, we know there were at least two missile strikes in Kiev, one of them targeting a thermoelectric plant, which supplies power to the city. This wave of attacks across the country affected almost every region here. And now in Lviv, four people are reported dead after a missile hit a residential area. In Kharkiv, uh, there was reports of 15 strikes. This was an all-out attack last night. Kiev's mayor reporting damage from explosion in two western districts of the capital there. The Kharkiv governor says 15 missiles struck the region, including a bunch of residential buildings. Residential buildings also were hit in Odessa overnight. Of course, there's more details, and the count goes up. We will pass that on to you. WABC News Time 504. Let's bring it back home. 31-year-old Jose Gonzalez found guilty of first-degree murder of 44-year-old EMT Yadira Arroyo. This was back in 2017. You might remember this case. Let's bring in WABC's Alex Barnard live with the latest on that story. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that's right. Arroyo was killed in March of 2017 when Gonzalez hijacked her ambulance and ran her over, dragging her along the road as he drove off. While Gonzalez did not deny killing Arroyo due to incriminating video evidence, his lawyers questioned his competency, leading to several hearings that delayed the trial. And now, six years later, Yadira's family finally has some closure. We waited six years through ups and downs, anger, despair, emotion, agony, uh, but we finally did it, right? Yeah. That's Arroyo's aunt, Ali Acevedo Hernandez. Bronx, Bronx DA Darcel Clark says justice has finally been served. A mother of five sons working a, a, a great job and a great career. And to be taken away like that was just so unfair. So to get this justice today means everything to me and to this family. Gonzalez's sentencing date is April 5th. He could face 25 years to life in prison. WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. You might remember the Arroyo family had a problem collecting on her, their mother's benefits. It was some sort of technicality. The Tunnel to Towers organization came in, came to the rescue and helped them with those bills. But uh, that weird technicality that took place with the family, they're getting some justice here, though, now with this creep going to jail. WABC News Time 506, uh, out to Los Angeles. This also happening while most of you were sleeping last night. Three Los Angeles police officers shot last night. They were checking in on an investigation of a parolee. The officers hospitalized in stable condition. Mayor Karen Bass uh, speaking to two of those offers overnight. The two officers that I talked to um, are strong. Strong. The questions that they asked me was about their colleagues that were still out there looking for the suspect. So the gunman had barricaded himself in a shed. He refused to surrender. They opened fire after officers deployed tear gas. One officer was shot in the abdomen, the other shot in the arm, the third shot in the leg and midsection. Uh, LAPD assistant chief describes what led up to that gunfire. Officers uh, encountered the individual and utilized some uh, gas to try to uh, comply, get compliance from the individual. Again, the suspect refused. At one point during the search, the suspect exited and fired at the officers, wounding three officers. 
All right, so the good news here is, is those three officers are expected to recover. The gunman was shot and killed. It's not clear if it was during an exchange of gunfire with those police officers. WABC News Time 509. One other story that was breaking overnight. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell hospitalized after tripping at a hotel last night. This is the statement we got from the senator's office. It says this evening, Leader McConnell tripped at a local hotel during a private dinner. He's been admitted to the hospital where he's receiving treatment. That from McConnell spokesman David Pop. Uh, McConnell is 81. He's serving his seventh term in the Senate after first being elected all the way back in 1984. He was Senate Majority Leader, of course, until early 2021. Don't have any more details on him, but uh, he did trip at a hotel last night in the hospital this morning. Morning. All right, let's bring it back here. We told you about the tragedy in Roxbury, New Jersey earlier this week, a double murder suicide police in Morris County giving us a whole lot more details over the last couple hours. They believe Peter Ventricelli shot his wife, Kelly, and their 15 year old son, Anthony, before turning the gun on himself. Upon arrival, patrol made entry into the residence and discovered a husband, a wife and a juvenile son all visibly deceased with what appeared to be gunshot wounds. At this time, law enforcement believed that Peter Ventricelli shot and killed his wife, Kelly, and his son, Anthony. The motive and the circumstances of these heinous acts are under investigation. Yeah, well, we'll never probably know the motive. Maybe it was money, whatever it was. How anybody could put a gun at their kid's head and shoot them is beyond me. Authorities still trying to understand the motive. They're looking into the father's history. That is friends of the 15-year-old Anthony, who was a sophomore football high school player, are remembering him. Anthony was such a nice kid, right? He uh, was on my football team, and uh, he always did what he could to help us. And, uh, you know, it's it's so sad that he's gone. You couldn't say anything bad about him. He was just, he was the nicest kid ever. I mean, I just, you could, you could be friendly. You didn't even have to know him, and you just knew he was a nice kid. And boy, this is tough on everybody, not just the family, the neighbors, the people who knew them well, but the police who walked into this home and found these three bodies. It's been tough for them as well. We mourn. Morris County mourns here with this loss. And when we're talking about domestic violence, this is what this matter appears to be. Just Godspeed and keep your prayers for the tragic. Let's bring it back into the city. Small business owners across the city renewing calls for lawmakers in Albany to reform bail laws. That call comes after a slew of violent crimes against bodega workers, including that one last weekend where a worker on the Upper East Side was shot and killed. Bail reform was designed for a good reason, but it's being used for the wrong reasons and on the wrong people. All we're doing is asking for common sense amendments to to the bail law. United Bodegas of America spokesman Fernando Mateo there says he wants changes to target repeat offenders. He's also calling on district attorneys to give more time to present necessary evidence so courts won't be so quick to drop cases. It happens a lot. These minor things that they can do to tweak the law will will help us, you know, and help our, our bodegas and our cab drivers and our New York City small business owners. And it's not just the ones who are mugging him. It's uh, the people who are shoplifting from these bodega owners and supermarket stores everywhere. Restructure it where it makes sense, where people know that, okay, you committed first-time nonviolent crime. Okay, we're going to afford you 
bail reform. Yeah, but it does seem to be falling on deaf ears in Albany. They should have fixed this probably a long time ago. Curtis Lewa, do you remember this? Curtis Lewa ran against Fernando Mateo for the Republican nomination to run for mayor. And um, if you've never seen it, surf on over to WABCRadio.com. You'll just need to search a little bit on our page. But you have to watch the debate between Curtis and Fernando Mateo. Even if you have zero interest in politics, it is one of the greatest hours that you'll ever spend. It was done right here, actually, at WABC Radio, the debate. Uh, Curtis just took him apart. I mean, and it was pathetic how bad it was. But what's even more interesting than that is Fernando Mateo has never conceded the race to Curtis. He never called him afterwards to say, hey, congratulations on winning, which, you know, I think is kind of lame. WABC News Time 514, a school in New Jersey, hoping to stop students from being bullied. Bayonne School Superintendent John Neves says putting a plan in place, he's doing that now, Bayonne High, which would offer uh, incentives to students to behave. I guess we've gotten to that point. We have our rules, regulations, and policies that we follow. And unfortunately, it still occurs. So there has to be something broken, right? School officials say if students are kind to one another and there's less bullying or fighting on school grounds, then they'd be rewarded. <laughs> okay. Some of the rewards include no homework Fridays along with an ice cream chuck and students would get a half day of school. Okay, and this is all just for behaving in school. You should just behave on your own. But apparently at Bayonne, they're going to reward you for behaving. It's gotten that bad. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. We say good morning to Justin Ellick. Well, good morning, Gnome. Happy Thursday morning, that is. The Big East Tournament got underway yesterday at Madison Square Garden, starting with 8-seed St. John's, uh, John's matchup with number 9-seed Butler, in which St. John's prevailed to move on by a score of 76-63. to Next up was the 7-seed Seton Hall. Taking on the 10 seat in DePaul, which saw DePaul pull off the 66 to 65 upset to bump the Pirates from the tournament. Wrapping things up in last night's 8 p.m. time slot was the 6 seed in Villanova, making easy work of the number 11 seed Georgetown Hoyles, burying them by a decisive score of 80 to 48. St. John's will be right back at it at noon Eastern time today, looking to give number one seed Marquette a run for their money. Following that game will be five-seed Providence, taking on four-seed UConn at 2.30, then 10-seed DePaul versus two-seed Xavier at 7 p.m. And finally, wrapping things up tonight, six-seed Villanova against three-seed Creighton at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Also of note regarding college basketball, following the Syracuse Oranges, 77-74 loss to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament. It was announced that Hall of Famer Jim Beheim will not be returning as the men's basketball coach after 47 years. Beheim has an official coaching record of 1,015 and 441 over his career. That's pretty good. The uh, already retired Coach K out of Duke holds the Division I career record with 1,202 victories, with Beheim ranking second. He took Syracuse to the NCAA tournament on 35 occasions and advanced to the Final Four in five of those trips, winning the national title in 2003. He has 58 official NCAA tournament wins, which ranks fourth all time. Now to the NBA, where it seems like the dust is finally setting with, settling with the John Morant situation out in Memphis. The point guard will not face criminal charges stemming from his Instagram Live video in which he appeared to display a handgun at a nightclub, the Glendale, Colorado Police Department announced yesterday. Shortly after that announcement, the Grizzlies announced that Morant will be away from the team for at least four more games. That means the earliest the All-Star guard could potentially return is March 17th against the San Antonio Spurs. And looking ahead to local action tonight, 
We've got uh, professional sports back in action. The Rangers are at Montreal taking on the Canadians at 7 p.m. The Islanders will be out in Pittsburgh taking on the Penguins at 7 p.m. as well. The Devils are out in Washington going up against the Capitals also at 7 p.m. And then you got uh, hardwood action as well to look forward to. The Nets out in Milwaukee taking on the Bucks at 8 p.m. And the Knicks will be in Sacramento to tip it off with the Kings at 10 o'clock. Here with sports, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. More to get to on this Thursday morning. Will there be a beach to sit on at the Jersey Shore this summer? We'll get into that. A Long Island woman looking for love got anything but that. And would you use a subway bathroom? The MTA opening more bathrooms at subway st- uh, stations across the system. That and more. But first, let's get a check of Wall Street from Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Interest rate high concerns driving the market's action this week. The Dow Jones Industrials down 58 points yesterday. The S&P and NASDAQ recovered, turning positive late in the session. Still, the market appears headed for a weekly loss. The job market's busy week continues. Initial benefits claims up slightly over last week. The labor market remains historically tight, and that's fueling further interest rate hikes. Oil futures continue to slide down for a second consecutive session. West Texas Intermediate crude down more than 3% on the week. BJ's wholesale club earnings today. Revenue forecast to be up 12%. BJ's new DoorDash partnership paying dividends, expanding its on-demand grocery delivery. And investors looking for a positive outlook after Costco's consumer warning a week ago. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. Will you use a subway bathroom? Have you ever used a subway bathroom? The MTA planning to open even more bathrooms at subway stations across the city. Riders, well, some of them are relieved. Improvements uh, in these bathrooms in the last couple of months. New uh, motion-activated faucets, new Hmm. fixtures. We've painted, we've done tile grouting, new signs and deep cleaning to make sure that these are comfortable amenities for our customers. So they did a trial pilot program where they opened like seven or eight bathrooms. Now they're opening more. More than 100 bathrooms closed during the pandemic. First nine reopened. This was in January. The agency says at least another dozen lavatories will reopen in May after undergoing renovations. The MTA has had a tough time reopening bathrooms because they didn't have enough people to clean them. Uh, Now they've hired 40 or 50 station cleaners each month in an attempt to reopen these bathrooms. This is an important amenity that New Yorkers have said to all facets of government uh, that we should be doing more. Okay, so the question is, would you use one of these or have you? Or is it just too frightening? It's frightening enough, I feel, sometimes just to walk into a subway station, but then to go behind the closed door of a bathroom. But sometimes when you have to go, you have to go. This woman says uh, she's used one of the new bathrooms, and she said it was a pleasant experience. You know, I'm in the subway, and I be praying to God that the bathroom is open. Just the other day, I went into this restroom right here, and it was nicely done. The floor was it was clean. Okay, not in a million years would I go into one of those. They could have one of those guys in there handing out mints and uh, wet towels when you come out of the bathroom, and I would not use one of them. But that's just me. 
There is a new express ferry connecting Brooklyn to lower Manhattan, making its debut. Mayor Adams taking a trip on the South Brooklyn Ferry Express. Uh, this was yesterday morning. Another way for people to get from Brooklyn into the city. A really nice way, too, on a ferry. So this has been on our uh, dream board. And so now that dream came into reality. So it only take 21 minutes to go from Bay Ridge to Pier 11. That's at Wall Street with a stop in between at Brooklyn Bridge Park. This is a pilot service that will operate just weekdays during the morning rush. But the thought is a lot of people are going to use this. A lot of people using all the ferries that have gone from Brooklyn into the city or Queens into the city since they've been set up. It takes the overpopulation over of the R line and it allows a, an alternative way to get to and from uh, school, birth. It's a really nice way to do it. And for some people, it's the only form of transit they have close to them are these ferries. They've been extraordinarily popular. And by the way, it costs the same amount to take a ferry as it does to get on a subway or a bus. WABC News Time 524. Let's go down to the Jersey Shore. Stretches of popular beaches along the New Jersey Shore could be impacted during the summer by delayed beach replenishment projects. Neighbors in Tom's River say they can't believe some area beaches might not open in time for the summer season because well, they just don't have enough beach, enough sand. It's Mother Nature takes a lot of it away, of course, during the winter months. We'll go over to Lavalette where it's not so bad. Just move down the beach. Well, it's really going to affect the tourism in the summertime. Yeah, well, that's the big fear. The Army Corps of Engineers has to fight this yearly battle to reclaim beaches after the oceans and Mother Nature depletes them. The mayor of Tom's River says he hopes to save some or all of the summer at beaches there by paying what might be a huge sum to truck in sand. This is old school. Usually they take the sand from offshore in the ocean and they bring it back to shore. But uh, the more expensive way to do it, that's expensive, by the way. The more expensive way, though, is to truck the sand in. We're pretty agile in this. You know, we move. Uh, one thing I learned in the Marine Corps is adapt and overcome. So we adapt and overcome whenever we have to. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is not the first summer, by the way, where they've had this issue. Why the Army Corps of Engineers is having a hard time refilling these beaches, uh, it's not 100% clear, but it is a yearly battle that they have down at the Jersey Shore because uh, sometimes those beaches just sort of almost disappear in the off-season from those heavy-duty winter storms from the ocean reclaiming that sand. WABC News Time. 525 will bring it back into the city. Yesterday, of course, International Women's Day. If you weren't listening here to 77 WABC, well, first of all, you should have been. But we did an entire day dedicated to great women all over the world. And if you listen to any of our shows on the podcast platform at WABCRadio.com, you'll hear some fantastic interviews from morning until night. Mayor Adams uh, honoring women on International Women's Day. The mayor stood in front of dozens of women uh, on his staff at City Hall, you know, The police commissioner, a woman, the fire commissioner, a woman, the Department of Sanitation is a commissioner who's a woman. You've gone from just wiping your hands from washing the dishes to making sure that this is him talking about his mother, who he's celebrating. She passed away, who he's celebrating on International Women's Day. You've gone from just wiping your hands from washing the dishes to making sure that everyone that sit in the kitchens of this city will have the safety, the cleanliness, all the opportunities that they deserve. So he says the city's honoring women leaders in government, highlighting how far women have advanced in the inclusion of positions of power, recognizing more has to be done to achieve greater equity when it comes to things like salary. We lose those women within the shadows 
of if they didn't have some degree, if they didn't occupy some prestigious role uh, in our society. So much more to get to on this Thursday morning. I'm just getting started. Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw, he's going to go before Congress today to talk about that accident in East Palestine. The COVID origins hearings in Congress. Did you watch any of this yesterday? We'll get the latest on that. The White House condemning Fox host Tucker, uh, host Tucker Carlson. And we'll tell you about a woman on Long Island who gave away a lot of her fortune to somebody she thought she would was dating. Those stories and more coming up. WABC News Time 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. That's us. 5.30 on a Thursday morning. So happy you're here. It is Thursday, March 9th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun and clouds this morning, then a mostly cloudy afternoon, high 50. Tonight overnight, those clouds hang around low 33. And then Friday afternoon showers, high 45. If you're walking out with us, walking out the door at this hour, it is 33 and cloudy. A lot to get to before we get up to sit-in friends in the morning at 6 o'clock. We'll start on Long Island this half hour with a Long Island woman who was searching for love online and thought she had found Mr. Right, but turned out to be Mr. Wrong. The Casanova, who she had hoped would steal her heart, ended up stealing a lot of her money, a half million dollars. Connie Rotolo telling her story so other people might not get ripped off. She says... It all began after she lost her husband of 45 years back in 2019. You can imagine she was beset by grief, uh, mourning his loss. And then when she got stuck at home during the lockdown, she started reaching out online for love on a website called Zusk. And she met what she thought was somebody who could be her future mate. He said he lived overseas, which should have been the signal right away, but not for her. They never met in person. They uh, exchanged tons of text messages. And Connie said she really felt like she was in love with this guy. And then, no surprise here, he started asking for money. He said he was having problems with cash. And unfortunately, Connie started wiring him cash. I knew nothing about so many scammers out there. I knew nothing. Call me naive, call me stupid. They're sending you love stories, poems. You took it and ran with it and thought this was going to be the love of your life now. But it turned out to be this the hell of my life. Yeah, I don't mean to be mean-spirited, but I'm always shocked that people fall for this still. I mean, someone's asking you for money. You've never met them before. They say they live nearby, but they're overseas. There's so many things wrong with the story. But I feel sorry for her. She gave away all the money her and her husband had put away. $475,000 she gave to this guy. Half a million dollars. And she had never met him. Still hasn't met him, of course, because he's somewhere overseas. Who knows where? I knew nothing about so many scammers out there. I knew nothing. Call me naive. Call me stupid. They're sending you love stories, poems. You took it and ran with it and thought this was going to be the love of your life now. But it turned out to be this, the hell of my life. Yeah, I feel sorry for her. Uh, the uh, website, which says they had nothing to do with it, they just match people up, did not respond 
uh, from our, our request for a comment. All right, down in Washington, D.C., Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw set to brief the Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works today following that high-profile derailment, the one in East Palestine. Uh, some of the notes have been released already this morning, some of the testimony that he's going to give. This has been a traumatic experience, and all the taxology reports, all the testing shows that we're clean. However, if if folks are experiencing symptoms with which they're not accustomed, I would strongly encourage them to go see a, a trusted medical professional. That's the CEO, Alan Shaw, says he's deeply sorry, determined to make things right in East Palestine. In parts of his prepared speech, Shaw will say his company will pay whatever it costs to make the community right again. The Norfolk Southern train carrying hazardous chemicals, you'll remember, derailed in Palestine, East Palestine, back on February 3rd. With as residents ordered to evacuate, and it wasn't really clear what was going to happen. Some of them, of course, still complaining of being sick since this derailment and since they burned off those chemicals. Yes, I've come back multiple times. I'm drinking the water here. I've, I've interacted with the families here. I, look, I, I know they're hurt. I know they're scared. Um, I know they're confused. They're looking for information and who to trust. So those hearings will take place in D.C. today. And other hearings happening, the COVID origins hearing focusing on what Republicans say was Anthony Fauci's efforts to disprove the lab leak theory. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan says Dr. Fauci benefited from taxpayer-funded research at the Chinese Wuhan lab and later said the lab leak theory was a far-fetched conspiracy. What was Dr. Fauci doing? He was trying to cover his backside, and everybody knows it. GOP House subcommittee members say they uncovered new email evidence suggesting Dr. Fauci prompted the drafting of a publication to disprove the Chinese lab theory. Democrats say even with the FBA all also saying COVID escaped from the Wuhan lab. They say the evidence is not conclusive. They also accuse Republicans playing politics with the issue. That's a part that ticks us off because this is the highest paid guy in our government getting all kinds of money to tell us things that were not accurate. And then you have this former CDC director who believes COVID likely came from a lab leak. This conclusion is based primarily on the biology of the virus itself, including the rapid high infectivity for human-to-human transmission. Testimony there from Robert Redfield says theories that the virus accidentally leaked from a lab or emerged from nature need to be thoroughly investigated to help prevent future pandemics. We don't want another one. COVID-19 more likely was the result of an accidental lab leak than a result of a natural spillover event. All right, let's stay in Washington, the White House, condemning Fox News host Tucker Carlson's depiction of the attacks on the Capitol. If you haven't been watching Tucker over the last couple of days, he's been releasing footage of the January 6th attacks. We agree with the chief of Capitol Police and the right range of bipartisan lawmakers who have condemned this false depiction of the unprecedented violent attack on our Constitution and the rule of law. What is it, like 40 hours of video that have been released? Uh, I guess we should all take a look at it and you can come to your own conclusion. I guess most people have already come to their own conclusion. Speaker Kevin McCarthy argued only a small number of people illegally entered the Capitol on January 6th on that day. We agree with uh, Fox Nation's own attorneys and executives who have repeatedly stressed in multiple courts of law that Tucker Carlson is not credible. WABC News Time 539, the NTSB. 
on the scene in central Florida where four people were killed in a mid-air collision between two planes. Awfully frightening. Air safety investigator Lynn Spencer says their investigation will focus on the man, the machine, and the environment trying to figure out how two planes mid-air crashed into one another. Because this was a mid-air collision, it will be very important for us to look at the impact signatures in order to determine the angle of impact of these two airplanes. First priority was the recovery of one of the bodies of the occupants of one of the planes, which was a Piper Cherokee aircraft that was submerged in the water. This was uh, in Winter Haven. The Piper Cherokee was doing pattern work at the Winter Haven Airport. They were practicing touch-and-go maneuvers and had completed several of these maneuvers in a left-hand traffic pattern. Yeah, so somebody wasn't communicating with somebody when this accident took place. We need to preserve it. We need to document everything. Uh, We will stay in this area um, to uh, look for videos, uh, talk to any witnesses who may have seen something. Either way, just a tragedy there in Winter Haven a couple days back now. To Mexico and then back down to Washington. Lots of talk, of course, of these four uh, Americans who had crossed over from Texas into Mexico to get some sort of plastic surgery. And uh, two of them killed. Uh, They were all had been kidnapped. Now the reaction, of course, from D.C., people trying to figure out how we should respond. The killing of Americans on Mexican soil has a number of lawmakers here calling for military force to be used against the drug cartels that they say were involved. No more words. We ought to designate them as a terrorist. That's Congressman Chip Roy, who compares the Mexican cartels to ISIS and al-Qaeda. The Texas Republican believes the Biden administration has been weak on the border as it emboldened these criminal organizations. The U.S. is working with Mexican authorities to return the bodies of two victims who were killed. Look, a lot of us have been saying this was coming. We've already seen this kind of violence. Dr. Uh, Thomas Genevieve, he's with the Plastic and Cosmetic Center of South Texas. He says the incident highlights the dangers that some people take to save a few bucks. The victims, of course, kidnapped by members of a Mexican cartel shortly after crossing the border. Two were killed. They were there for some sort of stomach surgery to make themselves look better. You take your life into your hands, your surgical results. Your post-operative care, so stay in the United States. By the way, it's not an unusual thing. People go over the Canada border for this kind of surgery. People go over the Mexican border. Not unusual. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham wants to take on the cartels. We're going to destroy their business model and their lifestyle because our national security and the security of the United States as a whole depends on us taking decisive action. Cartels, uh, Graham says the cartels are trafficking fentanyl into the U.S., which is killing thousands of Americans. This problem uh, is a national security threat. Fentanyl is a killer. And the people killing Americans reside out in the open in Mexico. South Carolina Senator says it's just time now to have stronger measures against these cartels. We're going to introduce an authorization to use military force for the United States military can go in and destroy these labs. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, he was on the hot seat again yesterday. Powell testifying before a House committee as the central bank continues to raise interest rates in an effort to bring down inflation. Since President Biden took office, we've experienced inflation at rates not seen 
uh, since the late 70s and early 80s. North Carolina Congressman Patrick Mahenry says inflation accelerated after the passage of Biden's American Rescue Plan. California Democrat Maxine Waters says Congress also has a role in addressing inflation and Republicans, she says, have taken no serious action to bring down costs. By June of last year, the Consumer Price Index showed inflation skyrocketed from below 2 percent to nearly 9 percent. Well, that's obviously not Maxine Waters, but this is. That's why I'm somewhat disappointed that after two months, Republicans have taken no serious action to address inflation. Battle back and forth, of course, no surprise in D.C. Waters hitting Republicans over what she says is their reluctance to vote in favor of legislation to raise the debt ceiling. She says that's making things worse today. WABC News Time 544 down to Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis is urging President Biden to let tennis star Novak Djokovic into the country to compete in the Miami Open this month. Djokovic has not gotten a COVID vaccine. He poses zero risk to the United States, zero risk to the state of Florida, and zero risk to Miami. The U.S. currently bans unvaccinated foreigners from entering. DeSantis calls the rule executive fiat by the Biden administration. The Republican believes the rule, as written, only applies to airline flights, and he said he'd be willing to run a boat to the Bahamas, okay, to bring Djokovic to Florida. At this point, the pandemic's over. It does seem sort of silly, but here he is. I would run a boat from the Bahamas here I just for that. him. I would do that, 100%. Okay. WABC News Time 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Oates. Well, thank you, Nome. And we will begin on the college hardwood. The Big East tournament got underway yesterday at Madison Square Garden, starting with eight seed St. John's matchup with number nine seed Butler, in which St. John's prevailed to move on by a score of 76 to 63. Next up was the seven seed Seton Hall, taking on the 10 seed in DePaul, which saw DePaul pull off the 66 to 65 upset to bump the Pirates. Wrapping things up in last night's 8 p.m. time slot was a six seed in Villanova, making easy work of the number 11 seed Georgetown Hoyas, bearing them by a decisive score of 80 to 48. St. John's will be right back at it at noon Eastern time today looking to give number one seed Marquette a run for their money. Following that game will be five seed Providence taking on four seed UConn at 2.30, then 10 seed DePaul versus two seed Xavier at 7 p.m. And finally, six seed Villanova against three seed Creighton tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Also of note regarding college basketball, following the Syracuse Oranges 77-74 loss to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament, it was announced that Hall of Famer Jim Beheim will not be returning as the men's basketball coach after 47 years. Beheim has an official coaching record of 1,000 and 15 and 441 over his career. The already retired Coach K out of Duke holds the Division I career record with 1,202 victories with Bayheim ranking second. He took Syracuse to the NCAA tournament on 35 occasions and advanced to the Final Four in five of those trips, winning the national title in 2003. He has 58 official NCAA tournament wins, which ranks fourth all time. Now to the NBA where it seems like the dust is finally settling with the John Moran situation out in Memphis. The point guard will not face criminal charges stemming from his Instagram live video in which he appeared to display a handgun at a nightclub. The Glendale, Colorado Police Department announced yesterday. Shortly after that announcement, the Grizzlies announced that Moran will be away from the team for at least four more games. That means the earliest the All-Star guard could potentially return his March 17th against the San Antonio Spurs and uh, looking ahead to local action, I should say, tonight. Back to professional sports. Rangers are 
are in Montreal taking on the Canadians for 7 p.m. skate. Islanders are out in Pittsburgh taking on the Penguins also at 7 p.m. And the Devils, they'll be in action at 7 p.m. as well out in Washington against the Capitals on the hardwood. The Nets are in Milwaukee taking on the Bucks at 8. And the Knicks, they're out in Sacramento taking on the Kings at 10 o'clock. Here with sports, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC Newstime 549. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Russia unleashing a massive missile barrage overnight while we were sleeping, targeting Ukraine, hitting residential buildings, killing at least five. That number definitely will go up. Amin Asif says he woke up to the sounds of missile strikes in Kiev. He's a reporter for DW News. So many residents of Kiev, including myself, were awakened at 10 to 6 this morning, Kiev time, to a loud explosion. And there were other explosions after that. So far, we know there were at least two missile strikes in Kiev, one of them targeting a thermoelectric plant, which supplies power to the city. This wave of attacks across the country affected almost every region here. And now in Lviv, four people People are reported dead after a missile hit a residential area. In Kharkiv, uh, there was reports of 15 strikes. Out to uh, Los Angeles, three police officers shot overnight. They were checking in on an investigation of a parolee there. The officers hospitalized stable condition. Mayor Karen Bass, mayor of L.A., says she spoke with two of those officers. The two officers that I talked to um, are strong. Strong. The questions that they asked me was about their colleagues that were still out there looking for the suspect. So apparently this gunman barricaded himself in a shed, refused to surrender. Officer sent in tear gas. Gunfire was exchanged. One officer shot in the abdomen. The other shot in the arm. A third shot in the leg in the midsection. They are all expected to survive, thank God. The gunman, he was shot and killed. Not clear how might have been during that exchange of gunfire. And also overnight, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell hospitalized after tripping at a hotel last night. They're not giving us a lot of details about this, but he was at some sort of private dinner when he fell. He's in the hospital this morning. McConnell 81. He is serving his seventh term in the Senate after being first elected all the way back in 1984. He was, of course, the Senate Majority Leader until early 2021. Of course, as more details come in about that fall and what's happening in the hospital, we will pass them on to you. I was um, yesterday, or maybe this is already two days ago, talking with uh, my new friend Arthur Lee, who is the founder and CEO of LifeVac. Have you heard of LifeVac? If you haven't, you should. It's this great device that Arthur invented to help people who are choking. You know, sometimes the Heimlich maneuver doesn't work. And if you have this, it's like here at the station, we have it right next to our fire extinguisher, which makes sense. The the emergency place to go if um, if you're in trouble. In fact, I almost thought I was going to have to use this on myself because we have this great supply of peanut M&Ms in the kitchen there. And I was eating one. All of a sudden, I started choking one. And the good thing is you can apparently use this device on yourself. Thankfully, it went down okay. But um, LifeVac, just so I want to tell you this story because he's being ripped off and it's driving me crazy. Not as crazy as it should drive Arthur, but it's driving me crazy that his device is being ripped off by people in China. And um, they've saved, LifeVac has saved 743 lives as of now, including this guy in a steakhouse who started choking down in Florida, and the steakhouse had this device on hand. Gentleman's choked on steak in uh, a typical situation. You know, he didn't want any help. He was fine. And he wasn't, and he started to panic, and he passed out. And luckily, the restaurant had a LifeVac, passed it over, popped them once. 
He was fine. So you know how hard it is to get to a product to market, especially a device like this that could save someone's life if they're choking. Arthur Lee invents this thing, and it's a lot of money to get it to market. I did it the right way. I got testing. I registered with the FDA. We got inspected by the FDA. We do quality control throughout the process. And, you know, we have six peer-reviewed journals. That's a very difficult thing to do, you know. These are medical journals. I know it. I am. My father's an inventor, and it takes forever to get a product to market. So then he does, and it sells like crazy because that's a great device. And then the Chinese start ripping this off, and he goes on Amazon, and all kinds of people are selling uh, a product that looks exactly like his but is way inferior. Most of them are, you know, dangerous. You know, we're fighting them, and I will fight them both uh, to, for the safety of the public and for our country. It's, like, impossible to fight them because, you know, what are you going to do, sue them in China? Right. <laughs> like Brian Kilmeade said that to me. Why do you sue them? And I just kind of laughed. Like, yeah, well, I'm going to sue them in China. That's going to work. Yeah, this would drive me crazy. I invent something on my own, and someone rips it off, and they sell an inferior product, and then people blame you, right? They think it's coming from you, and it's not. What we do is we, we get them taken down. Because basically they're selling an illegal medical product right on Amazon. You just have staff that every day goes on, looks at, looks, finds them, reports them, and tries to keep them down. It's become a daily grind. You work for a decade to try and change the world, and then they jump in and just copy it badly, and it pulls apart. Infuriating. It would infuriate me. Then there's not much he can do about it. But if you want... The legit product, let's give him a plug because he does a great job. It's lifevac.net. You can get this product. We have one here. Thankfully, we hadn't had a reason to use it, but when you do have one, it would be nice to have this product around. Joe Malisi has uh, been doing a fantastic job. He's our movie critic, reviewing all of the Oscar movies leading up to Oscar night, of course, which is on Sunday. The latest is Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is the movie that has all the talk this season. Here's what Joe thinks of it. We're closing in fast 95th Academy Awards, and the lineup is one of the best we've seen in years. Start your Oscar binge right here, because this is Cinema in 60 Seconds. Coming out of left field was Everything Everywhere All at Once, This movie absolutely blew me away. Everything from the performances, visual effects, and storyline were some of this year's best. I was a little nervous how they were going to wrap an entire multiverse story into a two-hour movie, but the directors known as The Daniels could not have delivered a better story. Right now, this movie is on a ton of platforms, so you should absolutely give this a watch. I'd even be willing to pay the money to rent it in case you're not into streaming services. From 77 WABC, I'm Joe Malisi with Cinema in 60 Seconds. Hey, if you want to see all of Joe's movie reviews, surf on over to WABCRadio.com. You can see him, and you can see clips from the movie. And uh, he watches everything, so you don't have to. Tells you what's good and what's bad. Hey, by the way, coming up, uh, is this later this morning uh, that uh, Gelman's going to be on? Gelman, of course, from the show um, Live. And they're going to be at the Oscars, and he's going to give us his preview of the Oscars. By the way, tomorrow, Joe Malisi will give us his predictions of the Oscars, so I'll be very curious for that. And while we're talking about the world of Hollywood, award-winning Israeli actor, the guy who played Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof has passed away. Now, I, I wouldn't have even guessed, honestly, that this guy was still alive, but he was. Chaim Topol died in Tel Aviv at 87 today. We're getting confirmation from some Israeli leaders there. He's kind of like the Tom Cruise of Israel, very famous. Um, was in Fiddler on the Roof. If I were a rich man. Yeah, going back just about 100 years. Yeah, very talented actor. 
Talented actor, uh, won two Dalton Globes, was nominated for an Academy Award, but of course that Fiddler on the Roof being his most famous uh, acting gig ever, uh, he was kind of a humble dude. When you are successful in a, in a, in a film and, and the money flows and the things are, uh, yes, obviously it's, uh, it's very nice. But to tell you that this is the most important thing, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, Chaim Topol dead at 87.